Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Authors Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. Hi, I'm Irene Watson. I'm the Managing Editor for Reader Views in Austin, Texas. And I'm Victor Volkman from Loving Healing Press in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I'd like to welcome all our listeners to episode number 151 in our series. Tonight's topic will be author blogging, tips on why and how, with special guest Kathy Stucker. You can learn more about our guest on the Authors Access website, which is authorsaccess.com. We'd love to hear from you about tonight's show. Please send us your questions and comments to info at authorsaccess.com. Best known as the Idea Lady, Kathy Stucker helps authors, entrepreneurs, and professionals attract customers and make themselves famous with techniques that make marketing easy, inexpensive, and even fun. Kathy is the author of several books, and she has appeared on television and radio programs from coast to coast. She has been featured in articles in Woman's Day, Black Enterprise, The New York Times, and The Associated Press. She is also the founder of SellingBooks.com, a site about all aspects of writing, publishing, and marketing your books. You will get free tips and advice about publishing as well as an audio program about building your author platform when you sign up for her free newsletter at SellingBooks.com. Well, good evening, Kathy. Good evening. Well, this is really great to talk to you, Kathy, because I know that you are a pro at blogging. And, you know, there's just so much controversy and so many armchair experts out there. Some say that blogging doesn't sell books. Others say blogging sells books. Okay, I need this in the answer from the real expert. Does blogging really sell books? Well, it's not a magic bullet. It's not like you can put up a blog and boom, you sell a million books. It doesn't it's not? <laughs> Sorry, if it were, boy, that would be great, wouldn't it? We could all sell millions of books. Uh, it is, though, a great way to sell books because it's all about creating relationships. And I think that the people who say it doesn't sell books, I mean, it's possible that it doesn't work for them for some other reason, but chances are it's because they really didn't approach their blog as a way to have a relationship with a group of readers. And if you approach it that way, you will sell books, and you'll also find a lot of other opportunities come your way beyond just selling books if you're, if you're open to those. Uh, but I think that the idea of just putting up a blog and saying, okay, that's going to sell a million books, that doesn't work. And you won't necessarily sell a lot of books from your blog. I think that's another area where people have some misconceptions. Maybe they have a buy link on their blog, and they say, well, I hardly ever sell any books at my blog, so it doesn't work. But that's not necessarily the case. It may be that somebody sees your blog, they're interested in your books, and they go to their local bookstore or they go to Amazon or someplace else because they'd rather buy in a more familiar place. So there are lots of reasons why they might not buy directly from you, but still they're influenced by your blog. Kathy, you mentioned a key word, relationships. Mm -hmm. And maybe just tell our listeners what you mean by building relationships through a blog. Well, I think you have to let people know about you and your books. And by that, I don't mean they need to know what you had for lunch and they they don't need to know all the details of your life. But they need to start looking at you as a person and understanding a little bit about you and knowing about you. And you need to learn some things about your readers because the more you know about your readers, the easier it is to market to them because you're going to know exactly what's on their minds, what they're looking for. I mean, in a way, if you look at somebody like James Patterson, 
his books, many of which are now ghostwritten, are the product of market research. He takes it to an extreme. <laughs> he goes out there and he's, okay, women want to read a book set in San Francisco. They want a book with a female protagonist. They want this. So he gets somebody and they write a book that has a female protagonist that's set in San Francisco and they do a series on that. That's kind of an extreme version of what I'm talking about in terms of figuring out what your audience wants. But if you relate to your audience and you understand what's on their minds and what they're thinking, I think you're better able to write for them and better able to market to them because you understand what's important to them. Well, this is a little bit off blog, but you said something really important here, and I think that I'd like to just go into that direction for a few seconds here, and that was the fact that know your audience. Now, this, of course, is for the blog also, but isn't this something that and, and you use James Patterson as a really good example. He knows his market. He he knows that all of a sudden women want to write read about somebody in San Francisco, and he writes it. And isn't that sort of the bottom line for our authors? They really need to do some market research and find out what is really want you know people wanting to read Absolutely. and know the audience. We tend to think, well, I'm an artiste. I'm going to write about what's on my mind. And that's fine. Whether you're writing fiction or nonfiction, you do have to have your own blood on the page. I mean, you have to have something there that, that you're passionate about, I think, to, to do a good job. And, and that's not necessarily true. There are people who can write about anything. But I think for most of us, we want to write about things that excite us, that interest us. But it also has to interest somebody else. And if we're the only ones that are interested in that, you're going to have a very difficult time selling that. So I think if you understand how your readers think, and John Locke has talked about this a lot too. He's the guy who was the first independent author to sell a million books on Kindle. Uh-huh. And you know he talks about the fact that his books do not appeal to everybody, but the people that do like them love them to death. So I, I think he understands his audience really well. He writes a certain type of book that he cares a lot about, that he's interested in, and it resonates with a lot of people, and he has relationships with those people, so they keep coming back. He puts out a new book. People come back and buy it. And the fact that they're only 99 cents doesn't hurt. But still, yes. <laughs> people go out and buy everything he writes because it resonates with them. And whether you're writing fiction or nonfiction, I think it's really important that, that you, you've got your finger on the pulse, that you understand what your readers care about. And so then taking that into the blogosphere, mm-hmm. it's important to write on the blog what that target audience eventually for the book and to understand and that's what the articles or posts or whatever should be about is that am i saying that correctly yeah it's about creating that relationship and and the great thing about blogging that that makes blogs different from a traditional website if you will is that blogs are a conversation it's not just me putting content out and you being able to read it it's I put the content out, you read it, and then you can respond, and I can read what you had to say. And then other people come on and respond to what you said, and then you can respond to them, and I can respond to them. So there's this big conversation that's going on on the blog, and it really does help create that relationship. And as people feel that they know you, and I, I saw this even from my email newsletter. I started doing an email newsletter back in 1999, and I saw that over time, I would put little bits of myself and my own perspective and my own uh, thoughts about things in the newsletter as well as just solid information that people could use. 
And as people got to know a little bit about me, they really felt that they knew me. I would meet them in person and they'd say, well, you know, I've been reading your newsletter so, so long, I really feel like I already know you. And, and that's part of what you want to get with your readers. Now, they don't necessarily know everything about you and they don't necessarily know the real you, but they know that person who is the author of these books. Great. That's perfect. Let's let's go back to basics here. Um, setting up your blog, there's, there's sort of two extremes you can go. You can either... You know, buy your own domain name, get a hosting service, install WordPress yourself, go out and find the templates, or you just dial into whatever, WordPress.com, and say, make me a blogger. What are, what are some of the pros and cons there? Well, I don't like using free blog services or any kind of free website as your primary uh, presence on the web because you don't have control over that. And, in fact, if you use WordPress.com, and you have commercial content and commercial links on that site, you might go to your blog one day and find out it's gone because they oh don't really allow commercial content. So that's happened to a number of people. Uh, so anytime you have something that's on a free site, it's not completely free and that somebody else has control over it. So I don't recommend that. I also don't like having a URL that's something like myblog.blogspot.com because that's kind of, it, it doesn't look real professional. So I think you definitely need to have your own URL, your own domain name. And I would recommend having a hosting account. And I do love WordPress. I absolutely love WordPress. And I do have it installed on almost all my sites are WordPress sites. And I've got a lot of different websites and blogs. But I think you have your own domain name. You have your own hosting account. You get WordPress installed there. And if with the right hosting company, it's a couple of clicks to have WordPress there. And without too much effort, you can customize it, or you can hire somebody for not much money to customize it. And once it's set up, the great thing about a blog versus a traditional website is that it's really easy to maintain. A lot of times people go hire somebody to set up a website. They set up a website, and then it never changes because the person who hired the web designer doesn't know how to go in and add new pages, or they don't have the software, or they don't have access. And so anytime they want to add something, they have to call the web designer and hire them and pay them to do some little update to it. Plus, they got to find the web designer, and if the web designer disappears, they may not have access to that site at all. So I, I think having a blog is really a, an easy way to have a web presence. And even if you hire somebody to set it up for you, which isn't terribly expensive, uh, you can then go in anytime you want and add a post, add your schedule of appearances, uh, put up something about your new book. You can do all of that yourself. If you can create something in a Word doc, you can go into WordPress and add a post or a page. It's, it's really not that hard. Absolutely. I hate those dead author sites. You know you know what I'm talking about. They got the five links. They got, you know, about me, about the book, uh, and they never change and no one ever visits them. And it says copyright 2005. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> I have one author and she pays this person $50 an hour every time we change a piece of text. It just drives me nuts. <laughs> Yeah, and you don't do that with a blog. And even if you pay somebody to set it up, and you don't have to do that, but if you pay somebody, you know, maybe 100 or $200 to set it up, you don't have to have them come back every time you want to make a change. You really can do it yourself. Amen. All right. Let's go uh the next step, which is um, what do I blog about? I've got this nice blank page, and I'm scratching my head. 
Well, it, it depends. If you're a fiction author versus a nonfiction author, there are different things you can blog about. There are some things across both lines. But I, what you have to think about is what would your readers want to read? What would they want to know about? So some authors write about things that are happening uh, like with their books. I've got a new book coming out. I'm doing an event. One thing that's really great, because here again, it's about relationships and involving your fans, is if you do something like a book signing or a reading or some other event, take a bunch of pictures and get those pictures up on your blog and get your fans' names up there. You know, your picture with these fans and, and pictures of your fans they are listening to the reading and, and pictures of you signing books and pictures of the cake that was served and whatever else. Put all that up on your blog because that's, it's great social proof because it shows all these people out for your event. And it, it's also great because your fans get to see themselves up on the page, and they're going to get a, get a kick out of that probably. And it's just something else that puts on the, on the blog that you are a real author, that you're out there, that you're meeting with people, and it's great content. But you can also write about a lot of other things. You can write about the fact that you're working on this new novel and it's set in New Orleans, so you just made a trip to New Orleans to do some research and maybe a little bit about what you did in New Orleans. Not just about your trip to New Orleans, but it's about the fact that you went there to do research for this upcoming book. You could even blog as one of your characters. Fiction authors, typically your secondary characters can be a lot of fun in a book. They don't get a lot of pages in the book necessarily, but people really love those secondary characters most of the time. So what if one of those secondary characters did a blog post? Or what if your heroine of your romance novel uh, talked a little bit about what happened after the last novel ended and how she and, and her true love are doing these days? Or anything that would be of interest to that audience. If you have recurring characters because you're doing a series, you certainly could have information about what your sleuth is doing in between mystery novels, or uh, you can write about your process a little bit. You don't want to get too deep into that, but you can talk a little bit about how you write. People are fascinated by that. Everybody wants to have written a book, but nobody wants to sit down and do it. So they're absolutely fascinated by the people who do. How do you do that? How do you come up with these characters? How do you come up with these stories? How do you decide to name your characters? Um, how did you get published? Do you have an agent? How do you do this? They're really curious about these things. So you don't want all of your posts to be about that any more than you want all of your posts to be about any one subject. But put some of that stuff on your blog. People will enjoy it. Uh, don't be afraid to do something a little different. And your posts don't all have to be long. You know, they can be a couple hundred words, a few hundred words. They don't, in fact, have to have words at all. They can just be pictures or videos. There are lots of things you can put up as a post. Great, great stuff there. Now, let's talk a little bit about cross-promotion. Do I need to tweet every time I do a blog post or put something on Facebook? Or, or how do I publicize what I'm doing? to do it. Uh, if you have a, a Twitter account and you've got a Facebook account, I find I get a lot more response from Facebook than Twitter. That's my experience. But yeah, you can put something out. In fact, some of this stuff can be automated um, so that you can feed things into various places. Like a blog is going to have what's called an RSS feed. And a lot of people don't really understand how it works, but you don't necessarily have to understand how it works. You just have to know that it does. And you can put that RSS feed in various places and it will automatically update. For example, if you have an Amazon Author Central account, you can put the RSS feed from your blog into that account and your Amazon Author page will automatically update every time you have a new post. 
So that's a great thing to have there if people are coming looking for information about you because they found one of your books and they want to know more about you. They'll see your most recent blog post there. So yes, putting your blog post, you know, putting a link from, uh, from Facebook to a blog post is good. Um, letting people know, however, whatever social media and things you're in, that's a good way to do it. Um, you also want to be out there and visible in a lot of ways. So you may have um, friends and colleagues who are also authors, and you might promote each other's posts. So for example, let's say there are uh, four romance authors who are all friends and write Maybe they write similar books or maybe they're slightly different genres, but they're all romance authors. They might have an alliance where they comment on each other's posts, they guest post on each other's blogs, they tweet each other's posts and news and things around. So if you have some friends who can work with you to promote, that's great because you all come out ahead that way. Great. You just hit on the next point I wanted to talk about. Explain what guest posting is and why I want to do it. What's in it for me? Guest posting is awesome <laughs> because what it does is put you in front of a whole bunch of eyeballs that wouldn't have found you otherwise. I'm a big believer in guest posting. If you have a topic that you're writing about in your books, there are probably lots of blogs out there that write about that same topic. Even if they're not other author blogs, uh, there may be other, author, other blogs on that topic. So if you can get a post that you've written in that blog, so it's in front of those people, many of those people are going to want to read your books. I mean, just as an example, uh, one of my books is called The Mystery Shopper's Manual, and it's a nonfiction book about how to be a professional mystery shopper. It has been out for years. It does really well. I also have the blog, and it does re really well. ranks highly on a number of mystery shopping terms, and it's a pretty competitive field. There's a mystery novelist named Elaine Viette who has a whole series of mystery novels where her heroine, her sleuth, is a mystery shopper. So a couple of years ago, I emailed her and I said, Elaine, I've seen your books. They're great. Would you like to write something for my audience about how you came to write a series of mystery novels about a mystery shopper? Because I think they'd find it interesting and fun. So she wrote this really nice guest post about how her mother was a mystery shopper and how she set about writing this series of novels about, about mystery shopping and, and how much she respects mystery shoppers. It was a really nice post. That got her in front of a whole bunch of mystery shoppers who now, you know, people like to read about people like them. They now found out that there's a series of mystery novels where the person solving the crimes is a mystery shopper like them. And it's written by somebody who really understands and cares about mystery shopping. So I don't know exactly how many readers she got from that, but I'm sure she got some. So guest posting puts you in front of a new audience that would not have found you otherwise. I'm such a believer in guest posting. I actually started a service called Blogger Linkup, and it's free. Uh, if you go to bloggerlinkup.com, you can sign up. I send out emails three times a week that list all these opportunities to guest post, you know, people offering guest posts, people looking for guest posts. Uh, it also is a place where people can offer things for review. So if you have a book you want to offer for review to bloggers, you can do that. It hooks people up because one of the things I found was finding good opportunities to guest post wasn't always easy. So this helps connect people who are looking for guest posts with people who want to guest post. And I have used that service, and it's a good service. Good. I'm uh, glad you had good results. A lot of people have. Yeah, I've uh, had guest um, guest posts on bloggingauthors.com. Now, as we're talking about cross-posting, but there's another way that uh, authors can also get exposure, and that's to make comments. And I'd like you to just talk about that too. Well, 
Blog commenting is terrific. Again, you can go to a blog that's on a topic that would be of interest to your readers. So it could be another author who writes in the same or similar genre, or it could be somebody who writes about the subject that relates to your book. Whether you do fiction or nonfiction, this works. So you go to that blog, you read what they've written, and you leave a comment. Remember we talked about that conversation, that discussion. You become part of the conversation going on in that blog. Now, whenever you leave a comment, most blogs allow you to link your name to your website. So if I go to uh, your blog and I leave a comment, it's going to link, link my name to a website that I've chosen to link to. Or I could link it even to my Amazon page or something. But usually you want to link it to your blog because you want people, if they're interested in what you had to say, to click on that link and go find out more about you. A lot of people will. Also, the blogger is going to learn about you. That's a great way to get a blogger's attention. If you want to get somebody to maybe review your book or you're thinking that there might be some way that you could work with this blogger, maybe some guest posting or some kind of joint promotion, a good way to get on their radar is to start commenting on their blog. They will notice you that way because bloggers notice who comments if you leave good, thoughtful comments. You never want to go leave a, a comment to a post like, Great post, dude. I mean, that's useless. <laughs> Who cares? Um, you know, but if you leave a nice, thoughtful post, uh, I will often do something like, you know, say how much I like the post and then say, I have this other experience that relates to this, and here's, here's a little point I would like to add. And it just enhances what they've written. Um, you can disagree with them as long as you do it nicely. You don't want to do an attack. But you can say, you know, my experience is different. Here's what I have found is the case. So, for example, let's say I wrote a post about how blogging is really great for selling books, and somebody comes along and they say, well, you know, I haven't had such a great experience. Here's what happened to me. They can offer a different perspective. So it's a great way to get the attention of other bloggers and other readers who are interested in the topic of your book. Exactly. And... Uh... I, I think that this is one way that people can really get out there. And I so agree with you, so I'm glad we talked about that. But would you also tell the audience where to find the blogs? You know, like, how, where do they go to find blogs that they can make comments on? You can do a search. Um, just go into, uh, you know, Google or whatever search engine you like to use and do a search Google has specifically a blog search, so you can go in and search blogs for certain topics. Uh, Technorati is also good for finding blogs, and you can see you know, some of the more highly ranked blogs, things like that. But you can find blogs and specific posts about different topics by searching those. Um, also, most blog comments, and I don't want to get too techy here, too geeky, but most blog comments are what they call no-follow links, meaning that there's a code there that tells the search engines, I'm linking to this other site, but you shouldn't count it as a link. That's kind of the easy explanation of that. Um, however, there are some what are called do-follow links uh, on blogs, and there are actually lists of do-follow blogs. Uh, so you can do a search for that, too. You can look for do-follow blogs and look for blogs there that have um, comments or that have uh, topics related to yours. There's also a plugin called Comment Love that does a lot of uh, do follow and, and other good things with linking. So you can look for blogs that use that. That's something I use on sellingbooks.com. I think it's a really neat plug-in because it gives your commenters a lot of visibility and it also uh, 
it helps give people who are reading the blog more information about the people leaving comments. So I like that a lot. Uh, but you can find lists of blogs that have comment love installed. And in fact, at the comment love site, there's even a search engine where you can search comment love enabled blogs so that you can find some that are on your topic and, and uh, leave comments on those blogs specifically. But really, it's just a question of doing some searches. And once you find a few, all of a sudden, you know how the Internet is. <laughs> I found this blog, and then they linked to this other blog, and then I found this other site from there, and then I found this list on this other site. And all of a sudden, you know, you've got way too many more than you can keep up with. <laughs> but uh, you, you don't have to keep up with all of them. The idea is you find several that, that you like, that you try to follow. Uh, if you're familiar with using an RSS reader, I mentioned RSS feeds earlier, you can actually set something up where you can see the feeds from all of your favorite blogs in one place with an RSS reader. And that way you can just see, oh, this one's got a new post, this one's got a new post. And if you see something that interests you, something that you might want to read or comment on, you can just click and go over to the blog. So you wouldn't even have to visit all these blogs regularly to keep up with what's going on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Did a... Uh... I was last year, I uh, did a very short workshop on Blogging 101, and the majority of the people that were in that uh, workshop had this same sort of reaction, I don't have time to blog. Mm -hmm. I want to spend my time writing my book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How many times have you heard that? <laughs> uh, a few. Uh, if I had a nickel for every time. <laughs> uh -huh, you, we'd be living in some Greek island, wouldn't we? Yeah. <laughs> or maybe I'm, not Greece now, but. <laughs> yeah, but there's probably someplace good, though. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I think that is an issue because there's not enough hours in the day for everything we want to do, and we have to find a way to fit things in. What I do with blogging uh, and the approach I tell people to take is you do what you can do. I mean, ideally, if you have a blog, it's great if you can post every day. Is that realistic when you have other things going on? Absolutely not. Could you do it three times a week? That is awesome. Can you do it once a week? That's really good. So if you can blog once a week, you, you're out there, you're keeping in touch with your audience, they haven't forgotten that you exist <laughs> because you're showing up in their RSS feeds or, or they're, if they're getting email updates, they're seeing something come through that you've got a new post. So if you can do it at least once a week, that's great. And there are a few ways to do that that are not terribly painful. Remember, it doesn't have to be a really long post. It can be pretty short. You can write several at once. You could set aside one day every month or two and sit there and knock out five or ten posts that you could then put up one a week over the next several weeks. I do that sometimes with certain topics that I, I want to have several posts on one topic, but I don't want them appearing all at once. I'll sit down and write them all at once, and then I'll just schedule them to show up a week or two apart on my blog. Uh, you can also do things, I, I kind of hinted at this earlier, that don't involve writing at all. Uh, if you want to have something on your blog and you want to post regularly, set up a little camera or use your webcam and do a little video message. Here's what I'm doing this week. And here's something that's happening with uh, the new book that's coming out. And here's a tip. If you're thinking about writing a novel, be aware of this. And here's a great way to get an agent. Or there's this new conference coming up that I think is going to be a terrific networking opportunity for writers. Just anything you want to offer, put it in a little video tip. Now, the search engines don't quite know what to do with video. They like it, but they don't know what's on the video unless you tell them. So 
So when I do a video, I also write up just a quick little summary of what I said in the video. You can actually have it transcribed if you want to and just put the transcription up there. But I generally just write a few sentences and put that up. It's a simple post. It doesn't take very long. I did one the other day because uh, I was talking with somebody about how to give away review copies of your Kindle book. And I talked about gifting them, where you actually pay for the book and you gift it through Amazon to the person who's going to do the review. And there's some good reasons to do it that way. So I just got on Amazon, did a quick little video, a screen capture, so it's not even my smiling face on the video. It's just my computer screen. And I just showed a quick thing of here's what you do, here's where you go, here's how you do it, here's why you'd want to. It's a two- or three-minute video. It didn't take me a lot longer than that to shoot it. It only took a couple of minutes to do a couple quick edits and then put it up on the screen, and then I wrote up a couple paragraphs explaining what I said in the video. That's a quick post. So you can do things like that. You can do pictures. Um, you know, take pictures of that trip to New Orleans you did to research your novel. Show some of your pictures from New Orleans. You know, anything that really will, will just show people, yes, you're still there, you're still posting, here's what you're working on, anything that would be of interest to them. Great. Do you have special software you use for capturing the screen and then turning that into a video? or How, how did you do that? I use Camtasia, which I think is probably the best for that, um, but it's kind of expensive. I think it's about $300. It, it is. Be, yeah, it's, it's about $300. I, I bought it a while back, but... Um, you may not want to invest that. I do a lot of screen capture videos, so it was worth it to me. Uh, there is something called Cam Studio that's free. It's not quite as sophisticated, but for a simple screen capture video, it'll work. It only works on Windows. Um, there is something called ScreenFlow for the Mac that's about $99, and that's really good. That, that's almost as good as Camtasia. Uh, Camtasia is available for both PC and Mac. ScreenFlow is a really nice, sophisticated program for the Mac. You can also do things like Jing, J-I-N-G, which I think is Jing.com, and you can do simple videos there. So there are lots of ways to do it, but I would say, you know, Cam Studio or Jing would be good if you just want something free and simple. That's great. Thanks for that uh, information. Do you ever just post uh, MP3 files? I know you can get an MP3 recorder for like $30, or a lot of smartphones can actually do that for you. I haven't done that, but I should. <laughs> I was, in fact, just thinking about that today. <laughs> um, wow. I think that's a great idea, and it would be really easy to just do a quick little tip or something. In fact, that's what I was thinking about. There's a site I'm developing, and I thought, wow, this would be great to just do some little tips, and then I could even publish a transcription of what I said on the audio because that gives the search engine something to find, which is going to help get more traffic to my site. But uh, I, I have a transcription service I just started working with, so I'm, I'm waiting to see you know, how they do for me. But I may just have them transcribe a bunch of stuff put some audio up, put the transcription up, and boom, those are simple posts. But yes, it wouldn't take you anything to do an audio. You just get the little recorder or record it on your computer. Use Audacity. Um, I don't know the download link for that offhand, but if you just do a search for download Audacity, you'll find it. It's free audio software for your computer. It's very good. It does a lot. It does a lot more than a lot of paid software does. A lot of people use it. And it's a very simple way to make audio recordings on your computer. Cool. There is, a, if you get the Dragon Naturally Speaking Pro, there, there's a mode where it will read an MP3 file and transcribe from that. I haven't tried it. But. It, it does okay. It's not oh, great. Yeah. 
Thanks for the heads up on that. Uh, let's go back into content a little bit. Uh, how personal should my blog be? I mean, the best bloggers I've read have a formula, almost, of a ratio of, of how much technical stuff to personal stuff to funny stuff. Yeah, I think it's good to open the kimono a little bit, but you don't want to open it all the way. I, I think that you have to be aware of, and, and I think women maybe are more aware of this than men because we feel more vulnerable, but aware of how much you're revealing about yourself in terms of things that could make you less secure. Um, I don't talk a lot about where I am or where I'm going to be sort of thing unless it's a very public event, like I'm going to be leading a workshop or I'm going to be doing a book signing or whatever. But just to talk about being somewhere or going somewhere, I don't talk about that stuff too much until after it's over. Then I'll talk about it. Um, I, I try to be a little careful about some of those things. I don't give a lot of personal information about my life, but I'll share a little bit because people love those little bits. So I'll mention something about something my husband and I did or you, the, the thing, and I've used this example before, the thing that got more response on Twitter than anything else I ever did is one time I tweeted that I was dehydrating sweet potatoes for my cat. <laughs> People went nuts. Whoa. Yes. Your cat likes sweet potatoes? Are you using a dehydrator? Are you doing them in the oven? What shape are they cut into? Everybody wanted to know about the stupid sweet potatoes. <laughs> I was really shocked because I just kind of put it out there because, like I say, sometimes I'll throw something like that out, just a little aside, and people went crazy about the sweet potatoes for the cat. Yes, she does like sweet potatoes. Uh, I cut them in the shape of sweet potato fries, and I put them in a dehydrator. <laughs> so, in case anybody's wondering, that's how it works. And, and she just thinks those are fabulous. So that kind of stuff, and that doesn't tell you much about my personal life other than the fact that, yes, I have a cat and I have a dehydrator, but you don't know a lot beyond that. It's a nice, safe thing to talk about because it's personal, but it's not too personal. You know, I, I would never post something about, uh, you know, my husband and I had a fight last night or something like that. First of all, we don't fight because we have a perfect marriage. But secondly, <laughs> if we ever did have a fight, that's nobody else's business. So that's not the kind of thing I would share. Um, there's a line, and everybody has to decide where that line is. And I, I think that sharing the personal stuff that helps people feel like they got a little tiny glimpse into your life is the stuff that makes it feel closer to you. I so agree. I think that's so important because, to me, it's it's back to what you said at the beginning is building that relationship. Mm -hmm. And, you know, potential readers really want to know about the author. Who is this author? How does that person tick? Do they have the same likes or dislikes as I do? But yet you can do it in a discreet way that you don't have to give them the personal information like what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And I still think you have a very weird cat because I have had cats all my life and they are finicky. <laughs> you know, but anyway. It's so funny, but yeah, she does. <laughs> that's great. I want to know one more thing about blogging and that's monetizing. Mm. You know, sure, we can do a, a free 
blogging program or whatever, but there's time, there's, you know, there's just a lot of time that has to go into it. And once you sort of kind of get into it, sometimes you have to buy you know, the you know the programs and so on. And so right. how do you monetize to actually pay for all that? Well, I think people have some strange ideas about how to make money with blogs. <laughs> um, but there are lots of ways you can. I think what most people have done traditionally is they put up a blog and they throw some Google AdSense on it and they make, you know, a buck a month or something like that and they say, well, this doesn't work. <laughs> you can't monetize a blog. Well, I mean, I use AdSense on some of my sites, and I make a bit of money with it, But and I know people who make a lot of money with it. But it's not necessarily right for every blog, and it's not necessarily going to make you a lot of money. It depends on your site, and it depends on a lot of different factors. Uh, it is one way. An- another way is running other types of ads. So you can do advertising. I-, I think that you can sell your own products. That's going to be the best way to monetize and whether that's selling your books or selling other things. And this is especially true for nonfiction authors, but fiction authors can do things too. Um, a nonfiction author can have a lot of products in addition to a book. So you might have teleseminars and webinars and audio and video programs, and you might have uh, e-books and special reports of various lengths. There are all kinds of services you can offer with you know, consulting and different things. And all of those things can come from your blog. So I think monetizing with your own products is probably the best, most effective way. Uh, uh, Probably a close second is to do some affiliate linking to products and services you believe in. Uh, I do some affiliate marketing, and if people aren't familiar with that term, what it means is essentially uh, you promote certain products and services, you're given a special link that's coded with your identification in it. So when somebody clicks on that link and they go to the other website and they make a purchase or sign up for something, whatever it is that they want them to do, you get paid for that. And I do that for a number of things. I I do it for web hosting because people are always asking me, what web host should I use? So I have an affiliate link, and I can just tell them to go to this particular URL, and they'll find out who I recommend for web hosting. And I do it for a number of other things that I think are really good products and services. It's important because remember that relationship. You don't want to just be selling stuff to get a commission. When I make a recommendation, it's because it's something that I really believe in. It's either something I am actively using or something that I would use if I were in a situation where I needed it. For example, I recommend um, a shopping cart and payment system, well, the payment system I use. I recommend a shopping cart that I don't use because I have something that is much more expensive. But if I were starting out today, here's what I would use. So I tell people to use that. I think it's important if you're going to recommend something that you're transparent about the fact that you do receive commissions on at least some of your recommendations. And that's a legal issue now, too, but it's always an ethical issue. Mm -hmm. I I think it's always been important to say, you know, I'm sometimes going to recommend things that I may make a commission on, but I only recommend things that I truly believe in. I never recommend something just for a commission. And I recommend things where I don't get commission because it's the best choice. So... I, I think it's important to be really honest and open about that, but let people know, you know, here's some, something that you're going to like, whether it's a, a book or a program of some kind or a tool or whatever it might be, this is a way that you can make some money. And you can make significant money with affiliate marketing uh, in some circumstances. So I, I think that's a good way to monetize. 
your own products are always best. And, in fact, you can have an affiliate program for your products so that you're paying other people to promote you. And that's found money in my book. If somebody likes to promote my stuff because they believe in it, they're going to send people who would not have found my site otherwise. I'm going to make sales I wouldn't have made otherwise. And if I have to share some of that money with the person that sent them, I, I would love to write tens of thousands of dollars in checks every month for that. <laughs> I agree. Make a lot of sales. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, affiliate marketing is a terrific way to monetize. Um, you, can add, you can run advertising on your site with things like Google AdSense where it's kind of cookie cutter assembly line, but you can also sell ads directly to people. So, you know, if there are, are companies or individuals who want to reach your audience, and I get inquiries about this on various sites, you know, you could just charge them something to run their ad on your site, and there are lots of ways to set that up. So the monetization can come in a lot of different ways, but don't get blinders on and only look at one thing and say, well, I'm going to do that. Try it. If it works, great. And if it doesn't, be open to trying some other things. And don't make it all about the sale. I mean, it can't. the monetization is important, but you want that relationship, and the relationship is going to drive the monetization ultimately. And also, something else about building the relationship and the monetization is have a list. As soon as you launch your blog, start collecting email addresses for a mailing list. For sure. And because that is just critical. You're going to let people know what's new. You're going to keep them informed of things. I see every time I send out an email newsletter, and I've got a few different ones that I do, every time I send one out, I see traffic to those sites spike. And if I put an offer in there of some kind, like one of the things I do sometimes is in my uh, Mystery Shopper newsletter, I run a hurt book special because I'll have books that were display copies or that got damaged in shipping or something. And there's nothing horribly wrong with them. In fact, some people can't even see the defect. It's usually just a little tiny ding or a little crease or something like that, but just so it's not perfect. Uh, and I'll do a hurt book sale. I'll toss that in the newsletter, and I will get a pile of orders from people who are getting a nice discount on the book, but they're buying it because they've got this great opportunity that came in the newsletter. I don't put it on my website. I only put it in the newsletter, and it, it's always a moneymaker, and it clears out books I can't sell otherwise. Did you trademark Hurt Book Sale? No. <laughs> I don't know that <laughs> Good. I Good. I love it. I don't think any, I, I'm probably not the person that came up with it. But, uh, yeah, I just I, I just put it in the newsletter. Every once in a while, I'll have some books, and so I'll just say hurt book sale, and I'll, I'll say you know I've got some books that they're fine. In fact, they're they're probably gift quality in the sense that the person you give them to probably won't even see the, the damage. And I autograph them because I autograph all the books I sell from my website. So they're getting an autographed book. They're, they're getting one that has a minor bit of damage that they probably won't even see, and they're saving something like 40%. So it's a nice sale, and I still make money because even at 40% off, you know, sure. it's profitable over what I would pay to print it, and it's certainly more profitable than throwing it in the recycling bin. Wow. That is a really good tip. Kathy, this has been such a pleasure having you on here. I mean, I know we can go on and on and on. Now, I know you've got many websites but which one would be the best one for people to find you at? Well, I think that uh, authors obviously are going to be interested in my sellingbooks.com website. If you go to sellingbooks.com, there is a ton of information. There's a couple thousand posts there on all aspects of writing, publishing, and marketing books. I also do author interviews, and there's information there about how they can be interviewed, anybody who's a published author, self-published, traditionally published, e-books, whatever. Uh, So there's information about being featured on the site. 
and all of that's free. Uh, I don't charge for any of that. I also have the Blogger Link Up site that I mentioned that's great for guest bloggers. It's bloggerlinkup.com, and again, that's free. Um, and I guess if you just want to know what I'm doing overall, if you go to Connect with Kathy, and it's Kathy with a C, connectwithkathy.com, you'll see links to most of my websites, my social media profiles, uh, my Easy and Articles account, I mean, all kinds of places that I, you'll find me on the web. So that's kind of because I had so many sites they wouldn't fit on a business card anymore. I had to make a website for all my <laughs> sites. That's great. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. It was so good to talk with you. Indeed, and this has been another podcast edition of Authors Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. You can learn more about our guest on the Authors Access website, which is authorsaccess.com. Stay tuned for the next episode, Selling Books at Fairs and Festivals, with special guest Leona Bodie. We'd love to hear from you about tonight's show. Please send us your questions and comments to Info at AuthorsAccess.com. Authors Access is a joint production of Reader Views Incorporated and Loving Healing Press. And for Reader Views, this is Irene Watson in Austin, Texas, saying good night. And I'm Victor Volkman in Ann Arbor, Michigan, wishing you all a good evening. Good night.